Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, one person! Happy New Year to our single listener. We love you very much. And thank you for joining us once again on Lost and Rewound for this, the new year of 2019. Ow, ow, ow! It is January 3rd here in beautiful Bushwick, and my name is Alon Danziger. And I'm Will Hasty, and we're kidding. We know there are thousands of you. (laughs) There's like carbon copies. Thousands of you. They're bots. They're all just like, it's like a cliff farm. Somewhere in Tokyo. Shut up. Don't give away my tools. We we love our click farm listeners. We love them. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you in China and in India for helping us with those click farms. Lost and Rewound is your weekly talk program here on Radio Free Brooklyn and where we investigate and dissect the old sounds from your yesteryears. You can listen to Lost and Rewound every week here from 3 to 4 p.m. And we're always on the Radio Free Brooklyn mobile app for Android or iPhone. Download the Radio Free Brooklyn app if you have not already. Why haven't you? What the hell? It's uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash iPhone or respectively slash Android to download that. We also have a newsletter. Sign up for it. It's called Radio Free Brooklyn, R-E-A-D-I-O Free Brooklyn. And if you want to sign up and keep up to date with the new programming, upcoming events here at RFB or interviews, dick giveaways, special offers on swag swag, you never know. Sign up for Free the newsletter swag. at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. If you want to donate to our teen squad, that is our uh, after-school program for local teenagers, please do so at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. That's going to really be a huge help to so many kids who want to learn about media making. And mm. local professionals will be guiding them the whole way. Just like a nice hands-on approach. Honestly, like... Looking at somebody like myself and how I've gotten from there to here, um, being somebody involved in radio, uh, I couldn't think of anything better to pay it forward in this new year um, for a resolution. So, Get again, those tax-deductible donations, y'all, and remember, yes. this is one of the only platforms that actually gives a voice to these kids. Yeah, exactly. It teaches them media literacy in a way that very few things do and gives them personal, hands-on interactions with it. God, you and I would have killed for an opportunity like that when we were kids. Again, it's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash afterschool. The address before, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And remember that all contributions are, again, tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Oh, yeah. Um, this is our first episode of the new year. I think it's best for us to just get right into it and kick it off, huh? Oh, well? hell yeah. I'm honestly really excited for this guest. I am too. It's good to see you. Dude, it's good to see you. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you. Shall we begin? Let us begin.
guest this week is a Brooklyn-based musician hailing from Mount Laurel. No, Mount Yanni? No, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Just checking. <laughs> she has performed at Arlie's Grocery, Rockwood Music Hall, and right here in Bushwick at the Topaz, a name you've undoubtedly heard mentioned before because of the uh, Jimmy Hoffman connection, shall we say? Enter Kat Rickman, whose new single is out right now on Spotify entitled Girl on the Album Cover from her upcoming album, Jersey Devil. Here to talk about all of that and much, much more. Welcome, Kat Rickman. Hello, Kat. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. You brought your guitar with you. You are holding it. You are hugging your <laughs> You are holding that thing very There's lovingly. There's nowhere else to put it in this room. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. I would have Fair the point. entire setup I put it down. Fair point. So, wait, so this is a Stratocaster that you just got. It's relatively new to me, uh, used though. A used Stratocaster, oh. but it's your baby. But it is a, it is an unusual. What it, what you is unusual it. about this Strat? Um, it's very tiny. It's, it's a, a tiny Stratocaster. <laughs> it's a Fender Squire for those of you who had a childhood electric guitar. So it's an adopted guitar, basically. Like you, you didn't buy a, a, a brand new one. You adopted. You didn't shop, I suppose, in terms of <laughs> <laughs> in the guitar sense. <laughs> You're like, I want this one. It loves me so much. No one ought to take this small guitar except for me. I always love to take the run of the litter. Yeah. Not only that, though, uh, but you also, for full disclosure, uh, have a keyboard that is mine that uh, I lent for today's episode. So you're sandwiched in between (laughs) the wall and the keyboard, and you got your guitar. Are are you getting enough oxygen, as the man uh, Craig Ferguson once said? Uh, I I, I think I'm okay. You're okay. But I'm worried any more humidity and the guitar might go right out of tune again. Oh, well, I got to say, you look very, very comfortable with it. And you do look very loving with it. Aww. You haven't always been a musician since moving to the city. Is that correct? Uh, well, I was a student when I moved to the city. You were a student. Oh, yeah. And so I was doing music, but not exactly, you know, in the capacity I am now. Where did you go to school? NYU. You went to NYU, and did oh, nice. you uh, study theater or some other creative uh, art? While Were you a Gaucher girl? Um, I was a Gallatin girl. Gallatin, not Gaucher. God, what's a that's a although Maryland he did college. he did guess it though, which is the funny part. <sighs> it's anytime someone meets me and I tell them that they're like, "Oh, that explains a lot." Um, for those of you who don't know, I designed my own program. Right? Isn't that Gallatin's thing? Yeah, it's right it's on. the school uh, of individualized study. Oh okay. my god, aka the school that makes parents terrified. <laughs> I actually had my cousin ask me about three quarters in the way. Um, so you're gonna have like a degree, right? <laughs> so you have a BA in what exactly? But like, didn't didn't believe that like there was a degree at the end of it. it was like you're just taking <laughs> classes, right? And I was like, how long have you known me? <laughs> You're like it's NYU. Just just respect the university, okay? Just just take it for granted that I'm like that I'm getting that I'm getting educated and that it's a good thing. They have a core, okay? Wait a sec. You uh at your high school was it kind of more of a dry situation that you uh when you got to college you're like, oh man, I have flexibility. I've got creativity. I know what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna go the normal route that all of my peers are. I mean, I was always any type of creative that I could be growing up. I mean, I pretty much dipped into everything. I was playing piano when I was seven. I was singing. I did ballet for a long time. You did ballet? Why? Yeah, actually, um, no one knows that except my chiropractor. What was your centralized major that you had uh, created? 
the title of my concentration was The Social and Economic Functions of Entertainment. What inspired you to go this route? Was it something that you developed over like maybe the first two years of your undergrad and then uh, figured out a way to like put a name to it? Or was it something that right away you're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do? Um, so it actually stemmed out of a strange trajectory that I took in college because I actually spent my freshman year abroad in Paris through a program NYU has called Liberal Studies, which is basically you get to go away for a year and like not get all your prereqs and come back and do what you actually want to do. <laughs> and so I got very involved in the expat artist scene there. Is that associated with a satellite university or a university that they're associated with in Paris or? NYU has, uh, I forget how many satellite campuses now, but I was in an NYU owned gotcha. facility. So, what, so was the NYU satellite campus in Paris? Yeah. Gotcha. 18 in Paris. Wow. That must have, oh my God, that <laughs> must have been awesome. Oh um, yeah, it was the coming back to New York and being like, wait, we can't drink in parks anymore? <laughs> <laughs> what is this brown bagging? <laughs> Did you ever go to Paris before you studied there? No, I I had never been. I didn't speak a word oh of French. Oh my God. I had taken Spanish for five years because my parents told me it would be more useful. And then I went, um, yeah. Fuck that. Pablo Spanglish. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to transfer one knowledge, at least of a language, having a romantic uh, stem from one to another one, I guess it shouldn't be too hard. I mean, obviously, they're not the same I mean, they're both romance languages. That's what I'm saying. Oh, it made it a lot easier. I can actually now kind of by proxy, um, I've never taken Italian. I can't speak Italian. Mm. I can kind of read Italian because between the two, it kind of gives you the baseline to be able to extract the same the, roots. The meaning. Did your parents visit you or did you have to go back home at some point just to return back to <laughs> Jersey? Uh, well, I went back for Christmas and then my parents actually came to visit me in April of that year. So a few weeks before I went back home. What were your requirements while you were there? Like what were your actual academic requirements and what was it like to go there and suddenly discover that every place you go to eat is amazing? Like, even the corner shops are delicious. <laughs> well, in terms of my academics, it was pretty much a liberal arts course. So I was taking a combination of literature and writing classes, um, history, art theory. So kind of a, a pretty broad swath, depending on who your professors were, because they really gave the professors a lot of leniency to teach their specialty, which is something I really loved about NYU. And Gallatin, mm. too, after that. And the food... I have dreams about the food. <laughs> because you obviously have always had this vein that's sort of been consistent in your life with music. Curious how that manifested itself into your time studying in Paris. And did you go and see a lot of shows while you were out there? And did you uh, was there a lot of inspirational uh, music that influenced you uh, from both viewer, spectator and from a playing perspective? Uh, so that's kind of an interesting question because I showed up and at the time I was involved in music. I had been writing my own stuff, uh, but I wasn't kind of full throttle with it yet. And I used to write poetry. I don't anymore, but most of the Anglophone art scene there is very like poetry and literature based. There's very little music. The music really? scene in Paris is very small. Wait, wait, specifically be... within the expat community or you mean all of Paris? All of Paris. I mean, there there is music. Um it's but probably it's, very hard for non-French-speaking uh, musicians to make uh, a living out there unless they have a really good deal. 
Actually, it's a little bit the opposite. It's, okay. Uh, well, I actually, I, I write for a French culture website and I recently wrote a piece about why there are no French pop stars who sing in French. What about not singing in French makes it popular? I mean, one is kind of a cultural thing where, you know, it goes back and forth every generation, like for a while, like the, the French government actually has a lot of impositions that make it difficult to succeed in France unless you're singing in French. Really? Yeah, they actually, um, French radio has a cap on it. It used to be, I think they recently changed it, but 70% of music played on French radio had to be French language. Are you serious? And they recently dropped it, I think, to 65 or 60%. Interesting. What? It's really interesting. But the problem was um, that not enough people make music in French, and American music and British music is so popular over there that it was something like only like 30% of all of the music played was the same music, like the same French oh language God. music, I hear that, I hear because that. they kept having to like recycle the same yeah. stuff. I actually feel like I was influenced a lot, not necessarily less on a musical level, but I wasn't really running into a lot of other musicians. And I was actually hanging out mostly with poets. So I feel like it influenced me a lot more on the lyrical end. Yeah. Well, actually, it became kind of a funny thing. Like, I would be, you know, I'd show up and I would be the girl. I would be the musician. I would be the singer. I was the only, I think, regular girl. Wow. The only, like, female musician who hung out in these circles, at least at the time. I mean, it was a pretty hmm. small group of people. Um, and sorry, so how many are we talking? I mean, say, like, one bar that I hung out at, it was probably 50 core people okay. in the okay. city. Okay. In the city. Wow. In the entire city. Yeah. Because everybody was just listening to poetry and then I would mm. come up and it would be kind of like a little break. I felt like people weren't listening to what I was singing. They were just listening to like me singing. Yeah. I have this bizarre thing where like anytime someone's like, oh, like, wow, like you have such a great voice. I'm like, yeah, but like, did you listen to the song? So, did you so to my poetic songwriting skills. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like, I started focusing a lot more. Like, I've got to write something that people are actually going to listen to beyond just the way that I'm singing it. What did you bring back with you to the States when that day came and you had to start being in America now? <laughs> Welcome back to Merck. I mean, I pretty much went directly to New York after that. And so that was a really big shock because I think wow, the, biggest, the biggest thing insane. that I brought back um, artistically was, and this links into what I ended up studying and kind of the genesis of that program. Hmm was the way that the arts are treated and the way that artists are treated in between the two cities, which for me was like totally different. I mean, in Paris, you know, it's, if you say you're an artist, if you say you're a writer, people are like, wow, tell me more about that. Whereas in New York, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. But like, what do you do? You're just, you're just a kid taking a break. You're just trying to find yourself. So, so what are you going to do later in life when you're like actually making money? <laughs> no, like, what are you really going to do? Yeah. What okay. do you, oh, you go to NYU. Oh, okay. So what are you studying for real? <laughs> like, do you go to Tish? Oh, you don't? What are you actually studying? <laughs> that is a real question no, that I've I know. been asked so oh my many God, times. I know. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> it's awful. It's fucking awful. Well, then you must have uh, wanted really uh, badly to even break out from uh, your studies and get out there and play and perform and maybe uh, go to an open mic. Where was the first open mic you can remember attending in New York City? The first music open mic that I think I went to was uh, Bowery Poetry Club. Hell yeah. For like a year. Mm -hmm. Had a once a month 
singer-songwriter open mic that I started going to because I came back. So the uh, there was this one bar that I went to a lot in Paris called uh, Au Chat Noir, and they have a lot of like bizarre connections with Bowery Poetry Club. Mm-hmm. And so I had heard about it. And so that was like one of the first places that I went in New York also because I was living like five minutes away. And then I found out they had a, you know, not just the poets open mic, but they also had a singer-songwriter open mic. And so I started going to that. So I think that was my first one. After that, Pete's, I think. Yeah. So in Paris, there's definitely engagement. But mm-hmm. how do you feel about New York? Close to your family. So there was at least some sort of uh, familiarity getting back home. Well, I mean, it was a very kind of, I mean, sort of the largest sense of displacement that I've ever had coming back. Mm. When I initially went back to Jersey, everybody that I knew was like, oh, how's Paris? <laughs> <laughs> it was straight up now. Like people, people Shade. wouldn't let me talk. People wow. like seriously. Like I, I remember one time I went, I met up with like a, a large group of people that I used to do theater with. And um, I said something, I literally said something about like one of my classes and like I got cut off. I was like, oh, are you still talking about Paris? Excuse me. Who does this girl think she is? <laughs> what? That, that is yeah. so much bullshit. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh, that's a lot of shade for no fucking reason. No. Yeah, it was either I got like all love or all shade. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. And then like coming to New York, I was like a little bit disoriented coming off of that because I was like, oh, well, like I've been away from home for so long. I've been away from the U.S. for so long. And then New York was like such a huge thing to overcome. I mean, going to school in the city, going to school in Manhattan is such a jump. It's I mean, that's to go to a school where there's I'm sure in Paris, like Paris has its little like enclaves. And so I'm Uh sure the NYU satellite had its own like sense of enclave. But like NYU, it's like I'm going from one building to this other building that's sort of connected unless you're in Washington Square. I could not even fathom going to school in New York City. I think in myself for college purposes, I can't do the city van. It's going to be too distracting. There's too much going on. I need Dude, a campus. Same feel. That's why I left New York. That's why I went up to Wesleyan. Yeah. I couldn't handle be. I couldn't handle being in that life. I wanted a campus. You know what I mean? I wanted yeah. to feel like I was a part of something. But it seems like when you spend time in another city where there's a lot more expectation out of you, it uh, creates a really significant amount of willpower uh, that you're not going to necessarily be distracted by all the same pleasantries of your undergrad. <laughs> I'm not speaking for you, but I guess that's a way to but uh, did, sort did of you, blend did, in and say if that was, in fact, the case with you. So. Did, did it feel like it gave you more independence? Oh, yeah. I mean, independence and autonomy, I think, are, are really sort of the things that you need to have yeah. to live in a city like this, and especially to go to school in a city like this. I was 19. I came, you know, you're you're young, you're vulnerable, you don't really know like who you are already. And then you're like, okay, so um, I have to deal with an entire city and passing my stats class. <laughs> what, what, your parents yeah, were all totally on board with you doing it too. Oh, with, uh, with NYU? With going to Paris, you know, with all your- Oh, your no. Oh, no. They did not. I was initially told there's no fucking way. Oh, yeah. my God. Please speak to that. So this is actually a very weird, this is a, it's a famous family story. A famous family story, um, yes. Oh, okay. you, you want to get a Paris? <laughs> no, that, that, that's not how they would I'm just, that's that just my, that's my, all right, you, wait, you, you're telling me, you telling me you want to go to Paris? That's my, that's my <laughs> shit Brooklyn accent. That's my shit Brooklyn accent. Oh, I was like, 
is that your shit Jersey accent? No, 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 no. That's my shit Brooklyn accent. They're close. They're close. Where are your parents from anyway? Are they both from New Jersey originally or where are they from? My dad is from Michigan. Okay. uh, But my mom and my stepdad are both from the Philly area. Okay. What had happened was when I was applying to schools, you know, you go through the Common App and I was applying to NYU and I didn't really take the application seriously because I... (laughs) (laughs) Because I... I, I kind of threw like a shot in the dark. I was like, there's no way they're going to offer me enough. Like, even if I get in, like, they're not going to offer me enough financial aid that I can yeah. go. And so I had fun with it. It was a very new program. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really know much about it. And they kind of snuck it in in the Common App. They're like, oh, would you like the option to like maybe go abroad your freshman year? And so I applied thinking like, oh, like it was like an optional thing. And then I was actually on a trip in Ireland and I got a furious call from my mom. She goes, you got into NYU. I was like, yeah, she was in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what have you done? I was like, I, I don't, I didn't think that it was. And so like. Wait, and her reaction was not, oh, my God, you got into NYU, and you're going to Paris, baby. No, no. She said, fuck, no. Are you? There's oh no God. way. You were going, well, because my mom, my mom always thought that I was a fucking idiot. Oh. Huh. Like, in, like, a common sense sort of way. She yeah. she was like, you're going to go, and you're going to get your passport stolen, and you're going to get sold into <laughs> white slavery. She's like, I, like there, there's no way. Like, I do not trust you to do this. In the third most first world mo- country city on the planet, you're yeah. going to lose your passport. Admittedly, you admitted, well, uh, it's a big pickpocket city. I actually, yeah, a, I lot, of people, I a lot of people, a lot of people did get their passports stolen. Yeah. I got my iPhone stolen. Uh, oh, no um, shit. Okay. But did not get sold into white slavery. Do you have any siblings? Uh, yes, I have a younger sister. So you were the example to make on your younger sister when it came to like... <laughs> Oh, dear. You screw up that... on the first child, and you pass all those <laughs> lessons to the second. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, my sister's kind of funny because she she was always like, well, I'm going to do something really different. And then, like, ended up going to art school in Philly. Mm-hmm. Well, your parents birthed artists. Uh, neither of them are <laughs> artists in their own right? No. Uh, my mom has an MFA in creative writing. That, to oh. my knowledge, she has never used. Okay. Ah, okay. She okay. manages the cytology department of a hospital. Okay. And so you're the cy- psychology or cytology? Cytology. What is what is cytology? What? I don't know what that is. It's um. I mean, cyto is cells. It's stealing. Oh. Gotcha. Oh. Okay. Gotcha, I'm crazy. Gotcha. This um, is my lack of a medical degree. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music? Uh, oh, I guess was your uh, father uh, slash stepfather? Uh, or uh, what did they, were they in different industries as well? Uh, or were they both either one of them in the creative arts as well? Oh well, um, my father was an attorney. Okay. Um, but he'd been a theater guy. Mm. So we, I mean, I'd always done theater growing up. Can I ask was, what like, kind of attorney? He worked. Uh, the majority of his career was um, working for the state of New Jersey. Yeah. In transportation, but he, but he has some time. sense of like having to create something that he's now going to present, and so I yeah. can I, I think he I guess he could see the similarity to yeah. He always had time to spend time with his daughter with uh, going to the theater, though. Yeah, we were actually um, when I was like a little kid when I was like doing ballet. He was in the same ballet company, mm. and Are we you would serious? we would be we would be in shows together, wow, and my mom was just, like so, so embarrassed. 
she no. was like, oh my why God. is my husband in a dress? Okay, that's amazing. Oh that's amazing. That you're, especially that your mom would be like, okay, I'm really proud of my daughter, but my husband. No, no, this is great. This is this means that somewhere out there, way up, you know, oh out in God, Jersey, right. is a video of you and your dad doing ballet together. Oh, my God. Oh, right. my God. I have no idea where you would find it. Uh, but it exists. Please, please, please hunt part. that down and come back on this show. <laughs> oh, God. He played. We, did, we did the Nutcracker. He played Mother Ginger. What? Okay, for no other reason than we need to sit here and just lose our shit over watching that video and record <laughs> that. I mean, it's not, you know, you that, would be, that would be the real. That would be better than whatever I'm going to show you. Oh, no, stop, it. stop it. No, no, no. That's impossible. <laughs> um, you have your guitar ready, and you're going to play something for us. I do. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the song. Um, so this song I'm going to play is from my EP that I'm releasing January 25th. Ow, ow. Um, Jersey Devil? Jersey Devil is the name of the record, and the song is called Rearview and kind of ties into a lot of stuff that we've been talking about. Beautiful. Um, it all intersects. It all connects. all tie together. Great. We won't delay any longer. Uh, Lost and Rewound with Kat Rickman here in the studio playing Rearview from the new EP, Jersey Devil. On Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> Meters running in the night Bags are packed The sun is rising over The cul-de-sac And I swear to God The jersey never looked so good As in the rear view Of this old Camaro By which I mean a Saturn Circuit 2003 Mama, you've been good to me A fact I won't know for another two or three Years on down the line I know that it's hard, but I swear Then I'll be fine Fine So-called friends Splice the slides to show a happy end And I'll make sure that every cut looks like it's MGM I'll never lie, but sometimes I'll play pretend that I'm doing fine, 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 I'm doing fine, mama, you've been good to me, a fact I won't know for another two or three years on down the line. I know that it's hard, but I swear that I'll be fine. And I never promised I'd be different. I just said I'd make it worth your while. So if I choke on my own ambition 
Then I'll swallow it with a smile I checked the boxes and I did my time I made the grade and got an extra grind So if it's not for selling out, I'll Take the cyanide and it tastes just fine Cause I'm doing fine Mama, if you're watching me I promise the show is gonna have more scenes to see And if the plot sucks, give me five stars for artistry and say it was fine, fine, fine that I did fine. Oh, Ow! man. Oh, man. That was that, that was a, quite striking. That, well done. That, that, had, uh, what, that was a cut. Was cut. That was no, 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 yeah, no, no, that was that was clearly coming right out of here <laughs> as I pointed my heart. That right. was that's awesome. That's really wonderful. So good, so so good. Have your parents uh, seen you perform? Um, yes. My dad tries to come up for whatever shows he can get up to. I think my mom and my stepdad have been to one of my shows okay. in New York. Is there any reason for that? That they even went to one? I mean, no, 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 no. Is there any reason <laughs> that they haven't come to more? I mean, you're clearly, you're, I mean, you're you're clearly quite good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, they have their lives. Fair point. Yeah, I mean, my I'm, I mean, I'm glad that my parents could see anything that I produce and perform. Put if, it, here. if it makes you feel better, I I live I live roughly, or at least wow, well, I used to live roughly six blocks from my parents, and they have literally been to everything. No, no, no. I wish they've been to they have been to like four or five of my improv performances <laughs> and like all of them were classes right all of them were like when i sucked. yeah exactly yeah. my par- my parents have gone to a few of those and they- but the thing is, is like they live so far away that i think they just do it out of the very love in their heart oh, wow. to come through um and, 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 Elon, you clearly have a very loving family <sighs> all of our families are loving that is very true. As, very as far true. as i'm concerned uh you know that the subject matter in that song really kind of putting forth uh, some kind of affirmation to your mother, basically saying that, you know, you've gotten where you are because you worked hard to get here and you are doing just what you're supposed to be doing. You're right where you're supposed to be. My mom has never heard this song. <laughs> what? Oh, no. My favorite line in that whole song was, and, um, but, and even you mean if five stars it sucks. For yeah, exactly. You'd be five stars for artistry. That was, that was wonderful. Cause that's so true, right? Like as an artist, you want them to, just give you affirmation right because you know you're sucking you know you're sort of still learning so that's still you know no matter how good you get i mean if you want an idea of like how my mom would respond to this song we watched ladybird together this weekend oh oh my god and i asked her what she thought of it and she said it was nice (laughs) (laughs) hey if if, if you get get any sense of kinship with me out of this when i walked out from my it was like my third or fourth improv show. You do two sets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mom, I don't know. I feel like I just I feel like I just wasn't feeling it in the second set. I feel like it just sort of didn't really roll. And to this day she swears she didn't say this, but I <laughs> promise you, she said, Well, you did suck. 
Shit. But I'm saying that song spoke to me. That was wonderful. We got to take a quick break. We have more of Cat Rickman here in the studio playing live, including also some clips that she has provided to us this week. And I'm excited for all of it. Um, I'm feeling really good. Dude, I'm feeling great. Shall we come back and look at Cat's history? Listen to it. We listen shall listen to Cat's history. On Lost and Rewound. Look at it metaphorically on, on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> back in a minute. Welcome to this wonderful cauldron of music and audible sounds of goodness. We hope that you are enjoying what you are listening to. And if you are enjoying it so much that you want to hear past episodes, you may do so at lostandrewound.podomatic.com. That is our Podomatic page. We also are on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify. And you know who is also on Spotify? Cat Rickman's on Spotify. Cat Rickman's on Spotify. Yeah, yo. But that I want to listen to Cat Rickman on Spotify. Yo, I gotta actually. I gotta be real. I gotta ask. What does Spotify have for you that feels right? I mean, do you use other music sites other than Spotify that people can find you at, or is it something like that? You just use that one because it's the easiest. Um, all of my music, I mean, I go through an aggregator, uh, when I distribute music. So all of my music is on Spotify, iTunes, most of the other ones that I think someone uses, uh, and Bandcamp. So if you want to find Cat Rickman on any of those platforms, you can do so right now if you want while listening to us. Um, but for the time being, <laughs> have a, no, I was got to say we can go into character voice mode now. No, we have, <laughs> we, we have to get to these clips. What was sixteen-year-old Cat Rickman like? Oh my God, yes. Precocious beyond comprehension. Precocious <laughs> beyond comprehension. No, no way. Um, a little goth. A little. Let's be honest. <laughs> Wait, okay. Well, if, well, if, if goth, if like Azriel from SNL is like a ten, where are you? <laughs> that well I'll, I'll put it like this so like when i was 16 it was like like emo was the thing you know but you know i didn't have like the the tokyo hotel hair mm-hmm. i didn't have everything studded i just kind Platform of picked... boots <laughs> no no i did not i kept it pretty but i did i did have a still to this day have a, a coat that is known as the vampire jacket like the we're talking like it's basically a duster, but but like a, but like a mix between a pea coat and a duster. I'm just thinking no, like Vampire like, Hunter D, basically. It's like a very Victorian, Ooh, like these big cuffs that have like huh. embroidery and like these like metal clasps. So you had a fashion sense. Then who did oh, you get yeah. that fashion sense from? 
Was it a friend or somebody that you saw on the old television or movies? I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it came from the fact that I, I did theater for, I mean, pretty much my entire life up until college. What show would have inspired you to create such a unique fashion sense for you? It wasn't necessarily one show in particular. It was kind of the fact that um, because I was already comfortable with getting on stage and wearing very bizarre things, I would kind of pick and choose things from like movies I liked or shows or musicals and just kind of like create like a weird amalgamation of these different odd particles (laughs) you had a little joseph here you had a little bit of grease here you just kind of like mishmash a lot of rent there was a lot of rent oh god seriously my Mm. i would describe my my high school aesthetic as some mix of vampire rent and my chemical romance oh my My, god oh my god my just just that just mash them together my chemical rent vampire my chemical rent (laughs) Uh, we got to do some sort of like Jean Valjean song, and then we got to dive into oh, and, no. I shall eat your, and I shall drink your no blood. No day but all the days. <laughs> oh, no. Do you hear the lobster sing? <laughs> okay, so this first clip that we're going to hear, I don't want to give it away too much, but uh, it's called Out, Out, Damn Spot. Yep. Yeah, it is. What were is you obsessed it? with Macbeth? I love Macbeth. It's it's my favorite Shakespearean drama. Oh, I also love Shakespeare. Oh, That's yeah. another component of me in high school that explains a lot. Out, um, out vile chemical rent vampire. <laughs> <laughs> out, out human blood. Oh, it's human blood. Um, no, but so is this it's like a song or is this just uh, some, uh, what, what, what can we expect from it? I'm so excited. Uh, it's a song that I actually, both of the songs that I brought today- okay are from uh, actually like a full-length album that I recorded in my bedroom with a snowball mic. Okay. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's the um, way to do it. Wait, and this was, this was, was before like, or after you'd learned how to play the guitar? Oh, this was way before. This was all piano-based stuff. Okay. Cool, cool. Let's do it. Out, out, damn
Okay. Oh, alrighty. <laughs> okay, first off, that is in no way, shape, or form what I was expecting, and fuck, I, got, I, fuck, I love it. Wait. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it, too, and I'm really entranced with uh, how we got to uh, this place where we're playing songs that embarrassed you, but how does that, I mean, I guess- Why does that embarrass you? Something tells me- it's the lyrics that she's cringing. I'm, I, I, I sort of, I sort of Just, feel that. I sort of feel that, but yeah. at the same time, like I'm, 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 I get that, like the orchestration isn't isn't crazy, but like it's, but that's clearly you learning, and you clearly have talent. I would make that and be like, yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would, I would pull the full, like I mean, I'm not frat boy at all, but I would pull the full, like I'm just <laughs> proud of this. I just think it's awesome. Even if it was like, like for me, even if it was a piece of shit, you know what I mean? But that's not, that's what? a good, that's, that's fun. What does it mean to hear that song? Um, it just, it like, it brings back so much of that. Just like, oh, I was so angsty. Oh God. So angsty. And like so, so dramatic about it. Any song that you write at sixteen is gonna be like oh, a sixteen-year-old like... girl being dramatic. No, a sixteen-year-old anybody being dramatic. Oh no way! It's, I think it's it's the bridge that does it for me. The bridge is like <laughs> it's like the rest of it I can listen to and be like, eh. and but then I'll, the bridge comes in and I'm like, good God! But I'll always be the one covered in red. Was that it? Was that the, the end? girl painted in red, which was actually what I what I titled this um oh, boy. this CD oh. a CD. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Wait, how many tracks were yeah. on that CD? Like twelve. Yeah. Oh my god. Who was drumming? Oh, those that are all band, tracks. right? Those are all like the you... only thing. The only thing real on that track was um the voice and the piano. That's awesome. Remind me, what were you listening to specifically that you think really kind of inspired the uh, structure? Um. Well, at that point, I was listening to uh, kind of a combination. There was like a lot of. It was like a lot of musical theater mixed with a lot of like emo and pop punk right. and post hardcore. Any, any specific bands that you can think of that come to mind? Uh, could it be My Chemical Romance? Oh, so much My Chemical Romance. Um, and okay. Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco. Oh my God, yeah. I feel like you could definitely hear that. Super righteous. <laughs> I don't know anything about emo, but now I feel like I'm getting an inside look as to how the emo style inspires others to create music that's but, somewhat similar. Does this spring true to you? That a lot of the stuff that I found fun about the emo music scene was it was for a uh, darker crowd. It was a it was like what was acceptable as a sort of like expression of joy. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I I totally get that. It's almost like I mean, I think well, the where you get like the punk roots from a lot of that music. Mm-hmm. It's like the celebration of shittiness. Yeah, yeah, you know, like like the. Newer Green Day, like um, what was that album? Um, like um, American Idiot, right. like that era of Green Day. Yeah, everything sucks, and like we're gonna sing about like these mega it. millionaires are like right singing on. about their glory days living in cheap motels. Oh, <laughs> I just need to get, I just need to get more in touch with my anger. And how is that being a hundred millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, we have another song here, and it's called The Fall. It's very different. It's it is very Ooh. different, but it was written at the same time. Yes, for the same the Wait, same, same album. album. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And the album was called what again? It was called "The Girl Painted in Red." The girl painted, which in is red. funny because I'm just thinking now that the single that I just put out is the girl on the album cover. It's just been this. It's, kind of, it's like, like, you know what? I had I have a like Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, I have I have a consistent character whose name is right? Jack in like every one of my movies. <laughs> <laughs> like 
It's he's almost always the main character. Bad move. But you know, but I'm saying it happens. The fall right here. Let's do it. If I had the words to tell you how wrong I've always been, it'd go on too long. If I had a needle and lots of red thread, I'd sew up your heart and your knees and your head. I don't, so I'll just say Take my hand, take my heart I'll put you together when you fall apart Take my world, take it all Take my hand and I'll take the fall I'll take the fall everyone if i am the ocean and you are the shore you'll push me away but i'll come back for more but i'm not so i'll just say take my hand take my heart i'll put you together when you fall apart and take my world take it all take my hand and i'll take the fall i'll take the fall I could write you a number one hit Impress the world with my charm and my wit Then I could repair you and make the world see All of the things that you've done for me I'll sing you a song and make it right It might be dark but you're my light if you are scared, then I'll be there And I will hold your hand so tight Is that all right? So won't you please Take my hand, take my heart I'll put you together when you fall apart Take my world Take it all, take my hand, and I'll take the fall, I'll take the fall. Simply um, gorgeous. Um, kind of moved. That whole theme of, again, tell me if this speaks to you, I will be there for you for the rest of your life because I want you to be there for me. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, a little bit. Not really. <laughs> was, it, was it inspired by something of the romantic variety? Yes, was that was that a bit of a love song? That song was like an apology that I wrote for a friend. Yeah. Had you 
broken that friend's heart or was the friend going through some shit? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like the details are kind of so... Sure, it's (laughs) faded away. Well, well, what I'm curious about is, uh, what about it is cringeworthy? It's so cloyingly sincere. And I've definitely modified my musical style a lot from that time period. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, especially as a female singer... People just kind of like throw you into a category. Sure. Yeah. Because a dude can walk into a bar with an acoustic guitar and play a song, and everyone's like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll come see your punk band this weekend. Yeah. But like, if you're a chick and you walk in and you sit down at a piano, people are like, oh, it's it's Ingrid Michaelson. It's Regina Spector. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, both of those are amazing people, but it's like, it's just so immediate. It's like, I, I mean, most people um, actually, I mean, the reason that I took up guitar was because I didn't feel like people took me seriously in the way that I wanted to be taken seriously as a pianist. We don't normally do this, but because we have multiple instruments in the studio, we're giving you a second song to mm. play, yeah, yeah, giving yeah. you another platform, this platform Mul- in which to multiple. play your new music. Live in the studio, Kat Rickman is about to sing which song? Um, I'm gonna sing um the new single, the girl on the album cover. Ah, this is this yes. is the girl on the album cover. All right, let's do it. More of Cat Rickman live in studio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Darling's often gonna again. Some nice 
podcast, can I have the mic a sec? So, one pause, then we're back to the peep show. Can I take these? Here's a four minute ad. Let's get you up, Mark's not in it. This rock and roll fetish outdated. To my real name, but you'd hate it. You can call me Arabella, just as long as you know that I'm here to fake it. I, I, I just a hype man. I feel like my only purpose in life is being a hype man. But no, but, ser- but seriously, those are they're all they're they're all fun. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, and they that all, song and they is very all, fun. You're clearly somebody from a musical theater background, right? Like, you, <laughs> oh yes. No, no, like you're clear and like and like specifically with that song. You know what I mean? Like that's clearly something that's influenced by you know standing on a stage and singing and jumping and I'm by singing and jumping. I mean like jumping time signatures. Jumping into other forms, jumping into other fields, and yep. that, you know that's really wonderful. Where can people find you um, on social media or to your uh, normal website? The best place to keep up with me is either um, on Instagram at Cat Rickman, C A T R I C K M A N. Yep. Um, you could also find my Facebook page, uh, my artist page, also Cat Rickman. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Spotify. Everything is under that name. I have a big show planned for January 25th at uh, Bushwick Public House. Oh, nice. I'm playing with a bunch of other local acts, uh, Hearth, Siobhan, and Mike Tedesco. Siobhan Fogarty? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We know her. She's a, she, <laughs> she was on this show once. Who be, who be Siobhan Fogarty? You, you should go to see the show at Bushwick Public House January 25th to find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Kat, thank you so very much for contributing your time and energy for this week's edition of Lost and Rewound. And seriously, it was really a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Happy to come in here and share stuff. If you want to be on our show, don't hesitate to email us directly at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. My name is Alon Danziger. And I'm Will Hasty. You'll hear us next week right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn. The three things I'm working on are saying things with fewer words, 
not talking so fucking much and being able to control myself. Keep those resolutions going, brother. 